escape it. I'm fired up. Like, this is for keeps. We are in this for keeps. This is not just for, oh, I just want to make it to next week. We are playing for eternity here. Like, all our chips are in the middle of the table. Like, this is for keeps. This is not, this is not something we can go back from. The Bible says that once you've laid your hand to the plow, you can't go back from that. And we're playing for keeps, and this is serious right now. And, and I mentioned at the end of service last weekend, I just wanted to give you a quick update before I, I launch into the message. But we talked about the, um, the sex education that they're trying to pass in the schools, and they have passed it, I think, in around 20 states or so. And I, I, at the very end of service, we didn't put this on the feed, but they were meeting in, the, in, in Austin a week or two ago on deciding whether or not they were going to continue to teach their program, which Texas teaches abstinence in the schools, which is very rare, very uncommon these days. Um, and there was a big battle between the abstinence group and the, um, the LGBT group. And the battle came down to where they were going to do an abstinence plus uh, curriculum where it teaches our kids abstinence, but then also has them opt into all the LGBTQ training that they wanted to give you. And they begin to condition your kids. And if you researched and looked into this, you know I'm telling you the truth. From the times of four and five years old, they're teaching their kids to be sexual beings, and that's not right. And so we talked about it last week, and I just want to say that the state of Texas voted down the, the plus part of it, and they're keeping abstinence, all right, which is awesome. So thank you, Jesus, for that. Yes, we thank you. The, the, the cool thing is, it, is they've made it where if, if uh, the, the problem is that the districts can opt in to the PLUS program. But I love that the state of Texas says that it's an opt-in option instead of an opt-out option. I don't like options that are opt-out where you have to read and study to know what you're, to opt out of a program at school. I like that you have to decide you want to be in the program. And that's what the state of Texas did. So that's the, the church was praying and people all around the state and the nations were praying. And so it matters when we pray. Our prayer can affect decisions that are made. Our prayers should affect decisions that are made. And, and what I want us to do is I want us to realize that we are gatekeepers. Now, in, in the, I've been studying Ezra and Nehemiah for a few months, and what I discovered in there is that when, when they reestablished the foundations of the gates of the city and they rebuilt the temple, the first thing that God appointed was the gatekeepers, like here are three specific groups of people that he anointed first. And first it was the gatekeepers. Second, it was the singers. Then it was the priests. You would think it would be the priests first or the government first, but he put the gatekeepers in place first. And I want to keep talking about this maybe this week and next week as well. But you and I have been called to be gatekeepers. We have been those who have been sown into the system of the world. And whatever we allow or disallow is what God allows or disallows. Whatever you and I, as a gatekeeper, whatever we come into agreement with goes through us as a gate. Yeah. And there are places and there are people in high places that are gates that are allowing the wrong things to go through the gates and it affects the people. Yeah. Now we made a mistake and, and it's, it's, a, it's a historical mistake. It's a human nature mistake. And when, do you remember when God called Israel up the mountain? Do y'all remember the story? Like, like God is up on the mountain and there's fire and there's the earthquake and there's thunder and lightning and there's shaking. The mountain is shaking and God says, hey, come up here. I want to talk to you face to face. And what happened to Israel? They were afraid. They were so scared of the lightning and the thunder and the shaking and the earthquake and the cloud that was up there and the glory of God that rested on the mountain. They were fearful. And guess what they decided to do? And this is a human nature problem. They said, 
here, Moses, you go up there and you talk to God face to face and then you come down and you tell us what he said and we'll do whatever you tell us to do. That is where, that is where mankind has, has messed up from the beginning. So what we have done is we have elected people and said, hey, you go there and you make decisions and we'll do whatever you tell us to do. And guess what happens over time? We become captive. We become bound to the decisions of men and women that don't have our best interests at mind. They don't care how the laws affect us because they live in ivory towers. They live where they have security 24-7 on their property. They don't care if you have a gun, but they're going to have security. So they're going to vote against gun rights. And, and because I'm, I'm, I don't want to go political, but I have to start here. Because what we've done is we have abdicated our opportunity to stand face-to-face with God and be governed by God. And we've given it to men and women to govern us. And we've said, you be the gatekeepers of culture. You tell us what to do and we'll do it. And that's what's wrong with us. And we think just by voting that that's our gatekeeping duty. No, it's not. Voting is the lowest common denominator. It's the lowest hanging fruit for us to do, to vote. But then you and I, we need to get on school boards. And I can say this as the first male PTA president for the elementary school my kids went to, ever. Now, actually, I followed up. There was one before me. I was the first masculine, crazy, like, athletic man, right? This other guy was an accountant. He was brilliant. I was just a, a goofball. All right, I was on, for two years, I started the PTA. Why? I didn't want to do that. I didn't have time to do that. I didn't even know what I was doing. I didn't know what I was getting myself into, but I knew that I was supposed to step into a gate and do something. Yeah. I've coached soccer in the city uh, of Arlington for the le- since... 2010, since Josiah was five years old, I coach soccer every season. Do I have time to do it? No, like I'm running here and there. During, Monday through Thursday for me is soccer, all four days. Soccer, 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 soccer. Then Saturday, soccer, and today after church, soccer. Do I do it because I like to run around? No, I'm not the guy. I like to sit at home and chill. I like to relax. I do it because I've made relationships with kids and parents that I still have to this day that I will have for the rest of my life because I'm supposed to be a gatekeeper. I'm supposed to be an entryway into the portal of heaven. I'm supposed to be a light shining in darkness. And so I'm asking you to step into the place that God's called you to. If there is a position, fill it at work. If there's a place of authority, a place of leadership, you're like, I don't know if I can do this or why I should do this or why. Step into that place just simply because you can be a gateway where the things of heaven come to earth through you. Come on. You're okay? We're called to be gatekeepers. You live on your, your city, your street. You can be a gatekeeper to your street. You can, you can pray. See, the Bible says if you want to open there in Matthew uh, 16, and we're also going to be in Matthew chapter 18, it repeats the same scriptures, similar, uh, similar words, almost exactly words, actually, both times. Matthew chapter 16, verse 18 and 19. And you remember the story. Jesus is, is asking them, who do you say that I am? And they're like, well, some say that you're Moses and some say that you're Elijah. Some say you're a prophet. He's like, but who do you say I am? And Peter says, you are the Christ. You are the son of the living God. And he says, and he says to him, Peter, upon, you are Peter. You're a rock. <laughs> and upon this rock, I will build my church. And the gates, say gates. Okay. The gates of hell will not overpower it. And then he says this, I will give you the what? Keys the keys to the kingdom. Everyone say, I have the keys to the kingdom of heaven. What is that key? 
Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. And whatever you loosen on earth will be loosed in heaven. Would you say it with me? Whatever we bind on earth, we bound in heaven. Whatever we loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Matthew 18, it says the same thing. Matthew 18, verse 18. Truly I say to you that whatever you bind on earth shall have been bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth shall have been loosed in heaven. Again, I say to you that if two or three agree on earth about anything that you may ask, it shall be done for them by my Father who is in heaven. For where two or three have gathered together in my name, I am in their midst, or I am the Lord in their midst. What's the point? You and I can come into agreement with heaven, and then we can allow what is happening in heaven to happen here on earth. We can create the opportunity, the gateway, the portal into the kingdom of heaven simply by being a door, a gate into what's going on there. It's time for you and I to step into our place and realize that I have an authority over what's allowed in my culture. Yes. Amen. How many feel like it's a losing battle? How many have felt that before? Like it's overwhelming. Like I said last week, it's like those superhero movies where they, they fight and the evil is so good at their job. It's like, there's no way Superman's going to win this thing. And in the very end, he wins it, right? And for two hours, they destroy the whole city. And all I can think is, who's going to clean up this whole mess? Anyway. <laughs> exactly. It feels, it feels overwhelming. It feels oppressive. We talked about it last week. The Bible says in Daniel that he would try to wear out the saints, of the most high God. He would try to wear us out and oppress us. And what happens when we become oppressed or when we become impressed by the size of our enemy, we forget about who lives inside of us. When we begin to feel overwhelmed by all the stuff around us, we stop being overwhelmed by Jesus who lives inside of us. And we build up strongholds and idols in fear of these things out here instead of letting the name of the Lord be our strong tower. And something shifts inside of us and we lose perspective and we lose our identity and we lose our voice. And God's saying to you, rise up. He's saying to me, rise up and use your voice. You know, Monday I took, I took the morning off or half the day off and Mandy and I went to a coffee shop, a new coffee shop by our house. And as we went and sat down, I sat next to a, a couple of pastors they didn't know I was a pastor. I didn't know they were. I, I was eavesdropping because we were sitting close. And one of the pastors, pastors a church of over 4,000 people, and the other pastors a church of somewhere around that same size. And they're talking, and um, they begin to talk about politics. And I'm, I'm looking at Mandy, and I'm so grieved. <clears throat> I look at her, I'm like, can I please jump in the conversation? She's like, we're not here for that. She's like, you're here with me on a coffee date. You're not here to get into an argument with another pastor. I was like, I don't want to get into an argument. I just want to ask one question. And you want to know what's, what set me off? I can't believe this, Kyle. One of the pastors says that he believes that it's okay to be pro-choice because God lets us decide. And he's saying it because he hates one of the politicians so much that because he hates that person so much, there's no way he could vote for that person. And I'm not naming any names. You figure it out. It's really hard to figure out, isn't it? And he's saying, I'm willing to vote for someone that's pro-abortion. And these are just two pastors. 
I'm willing to vote for someone who's pro-abortion because I don't like him so much. And then he begins to tell why it's okay to preach that it's okay for people to have a choice and kill children. And I'm sitting there. Number one, I'll be completely honest with you. I was offended. I was offended at God, not at him. And I'll tell you the truth right now. I was offended that he has a church of over 4,000 people, and he's preaching that. And I was like, I'm telling you where I was. I'm like, God, I try to do the right things, man. I'm trying to preach the right gospel. I'm not watering it down. I'm, I'm not sharing my opinions in it. Like, and I had to get past that offense. And then I wanted to just ask the question, did you know that abortion is the same, uh, uh, hatred is the same as murder, the Bible says? So because you hate a man, you're allowing murder. And that wasn't the only thing. I'm, I'm literally sitting there like bouncing up and down because they begin to discuss. And, I want, and not one time did I hear God said this. Not one time did I hear scripture. Not one time did I heard personal opinions on, on what they, the what. And I, all I could think is if that's, if that's the church, God, we need revival. We need revival in every church. I don't care what size the church is. I don't care what the influence of the church is. We have to preach the gospel. It doesn't matter what the outside voices say. It doesn't matter if we hate this guy or hate that guy. We have to preach the gospel, the truth. And all I can think is this man is a gatekeeper. And I just preached about not being quiet. And there's a lion inside of me. And everything in me wanted to jump into the conversation. Mandy literally, like she's, if you do, I swear, I will get in. I will leave you. I will not. Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> and I fear my wife. Because <laughs> I love my wife. <sighs> and I didn't say anything. So for about 45 minutes, I sat there under wife control instead of self-control. <laughs> and I was so grieved, and I've been grieved all week long. Because we're gatekeepers, and if we call ourselves ministers of the gospel, then we have to say what Jesus is saying. We cannot add our opinions to it. There are a lot of things that I would love to say when I stand up here that I stop myself because it's Jared's opinion. You, you, you ever hear me when I stop and I'm like, hmm, or I pause. Or I'm editing my personal opinion. I'm like, God, is that really what you would say? And I'm doing my best to just say what Jesus would say. I don't want to preach my opinion. You're not here to hear me talk. You're here to hear what Jesus has to say. And what he has to say right now is we have a responsibility to carry the name of Jesus on us. And if we are impressed or oppressed by the influence around us, the enemy around us, then we will give up the authority that we carry inside of us. And he says, whatever we bind on earth will be bound in heaven. And whatever we loosen on earth will be loosened in heaven. And I believe that with all my heart. Whatever we allow in the church will manifest itself in the culture. The Bible says that judgment must begin at the house of God. Like, we have to become righteous because we have to be a pure gate. Because there are a lot of gates in the world that are flooding the system with impurities, left and right. There are, <laughs> there are people that have evil desires for the, for the world. Yeah. It's like Pinky and the Brain. You ever remember that cartoon? What do you want to do today? I want to come up with a plan to take over the world. There are literally people that want to control the world. 
There absolutely are people that want to be the gatekeepers to all of culture. And what happens is they get in and then they want to kick the door into everyone else's face where no one else can get in. It's the religious spirit and the political spirit. They do the same thing. The religious spirit says, unless you come to Jesus the way I came to Jesus and love him the way I do, then I kick the door in your face and you can't get into the heaven. And the political spirit says, unless you do things my way, then you don't have access to this power. You don't have access to this. The political spirit and religious spirit are controlling the gates of our culture because you and I and the church have abdicated our rights and our authority. And God wants us to step into our place of authority. Whenever we come into agreement with the will of God, then heaven will manifest itself through us. It's the truth. Whatever we allow will manifest itself in the culture. If we don't like the way the world has, has over-sexualized everything, then we should clean up the church in purity, in righteousness, and sexuality. If it's crazy in culture, then it's because the church has allowed it into the church. If there's hatred and backbiting and, and destroying people in the cancel culture in the world, it's because there's gossip in the church. If there's no forgiveness in the world for past sins or no forgiveness because of the color of your skin or no forgiveness because of what your parents did, if there's no forgiveness for that in the world, it's because there's no forgiveness in the church. Like what we see in the culture that we don't like, it's because the gates of the church have allowed it in. And I'm, I, for one, how many were with me? I, no more. No more. We, we can't just fiddle our life away. We can't just fiddle while Rome burns. Like we have a responsibility. And the world is counting on us. And the Bible says that all of creation is groaning in pain so that the sons of God would rise up and appear. What does that mean? The pains that we feel in our culture, the pains that we feel in our society is, is culture saying we need someone who knows the way to help show us the way. <laughs> in 1 Samuel chapter 10, this is when uh, Samuel is going and he's going to anoint Saul as king. He gives Saul some instructions. And he says, uh, this is 1 Samuel 10, 5 through 7. He says, afterward, afterward, you will come to the hill of God where the Philistines are, and it shall be as, a, as soon as you have come to, the, to there to the city, you will meet a group of prophets who are coming down from the high place with harps and tambourines and flutes and lyres before them, and they will be prophesying. This is Samuel telling Saul, you're going to go to this place, and when you get there, you're going to see the prophets coming down, and they're going to be singing and dancing and prophesying. And then he says this to Saul, then the spirit of the Lord will come upon you mightily and you will prophesy with them and you will be changed into another man. He says, and when you see these things happen, you will know I'm telling you the truth. And then he gives him permission. He says, do for yourself whatever the occasion requires because God is with you. And I feel like God is giving us the same permission right now. You're going to prophesy. He says that you should eagerly desire spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. Paul says this. He says, you should earnestly desire spiritual gifts, especially the gift of prophecy. 
Why? Because when you prophesy, you declare the word of God on earth as it is in heaven. And so whenever Saul saw this company of prophets coming down prophesying, he began to prophesy with them. He was changed into another man, and then he was given the authority from that point forward to do whatever the occasion required because God was with him. I tell you right now, you should prophesy. Prophesy. Speak the word of God. You are going to be changed into another woman, into another man. And I ask you to do whatever the occasion requires because God is with you. Amen? Amen. All right, we're going to close with this. So because we're gatekeepers, then we have to manage our heart. Because whatever is in here will come out. Out of the, out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. Mm. And the power of life and death is where? It's in our tongue. All right. I have a question for all of us. This is a question for me. This was a time of um, two or three day altar meeting with me and the Lord. Can you describe your last dynamic encounter with the Lord in the form of a testimony? This is the question I'm asking every one of us, myself included. Can you describe and remember your last dynamic encounter with the Lord? And you can, can you describe it in the form of a testimony with the anointing on it to pass it on to someone else? Come on. When was the last time you had an actual dynamic encounter with Jesus Christ? Can you remember it? Has it been long? If it's been too long, then you, you need to have one today. You have one right now. I don't care. Stop listening to me. Have an encounter with him. If we're not having dynamic encounters with Jesus Christ, then what are we giving away to other people? Like maybe it's maybe I'm living on an old one. That's fine. Those those testimonies that God has done for us don't have expiration dates. But I still can't live on a 20-year-old testimony. I need a two-day-old testimony or two-hour-old testimony. Because you, you lose the authority of it over time. Because yes. God wants us to have experiences daily with him. He wants us to have continual, regular encounters with him. To pray without ceasing. To be in his presence all of the time. Now, I know that it feels like it's impossible to be aware of his presence all of the time. But that's the goal. I, I can't trip up if I'm not there yet. But I have to move that direction. Don't get tripped up if you're like, man, it's been a long time since I had an encounter. Just have one today. Start afresh and anew. Ask him because Jesus is so, he wants to impact our lives. He's so hungry to touch us that if we just say, hey, would you please come in? As a matter of fact, he describes himself this way. I stand at the door and knock. You just open the door, he said, and I will come in and we will have dinner together. I will dine with you and you will dine with me and we'll be one. We'll be intimate. And Jesus, that's, that's him standing at the door. So you're like, man, I haven't had an encounter in a long time. He's knocking. All you have to do is say, Jesus, come in. I just say now, Jesus, come in. You're welcome. This is your house. If I'm a gatekeeper and I can't remember the last encounter I had, 
And not only that, I can't share it in a testimony form where someone else burns for him. Then I need to have a soul-searching moment. Because we should talk about our relationship with Jesus in ways that make people hungry for him. We should be known for our love for him. When we talk about him, our hearts should burn. He died on a cross to set us free. Like He gave his whole life. He gave up the glory of heaven to become a man, to feel what we feel, to experience the pain we experience, the loss, the suffering, to feel the distance from his father when he was on the cross, the weight of every sin on his shoulders. He did all of that so you and I could have an intimate relationship with the father like he does. And we should talk about it like it matters. I mean, he didn't have to do this. And he did it looking into the future, knowing every time I would nail him back to that cross, and he did it anyway. So when we talk about, man, I'm not, I'm not a Christian. Don't call me a Christian. I'm not a Christian. I don't want to be a Christian. I want to be a disciple. I want to be a follower of Jesus. I want to be someone who's in love with Jesus. I don't care what our denomination says. I don't care what the, t- the terms are. I just want my heart to burn for him. Remember the guys that were on the road to Emmaus? And Jesus appeared to them, and he began to tell them of all the things that were going on. They began to tell him of all the events that happened as if Jesus wasn't in the middle of it. They didn't recognize him. And then he's like, hey, I got to leave. And they're like, no, stay longer. Go with us longer. And he did, and he began to share with him, and and he says, and they said after he left, didn't our hearts burn within us? As he shared with us, what happened? When's the last time your heart burned? And that's only part of the process. Our hearts need to burn, but they need to burn in such a way that he's in us for us, but he's on us for other people. And my heart burning for Jesus should affect you. And your heart burning for Jesus should affect me. And you should, you should be able to pass on your experience to someone else just by telling the testimony. Because that's what it is. Testimony means to do again. And when we declare the word of the Lord and we declare what Jesus has done, we are creating an atmosphere, a gateway into heaven where whatever we allow on earth is because it was allowed in heaven. And whatever we bind on earth is what was bound in heaven. And we begin to release heaven everywhere we go. Without these intimate encounters, then what are we giving to other people? We have been called to be gatekeepers access points by which people encounter God's presence. That's what we've been called to. We haven't been called to be Christians. They called them Christians because of their, the way they acted, because of their reputation. It was in Antioch. They were first called Christians. And they called them that because it was a term of endearment. It was a term of respect. And it literally meant little Christ. And they called the followers of Jesus Christians because they were just like him. They looked at them and they saw Jesus. Just like when we look at Jesus, we see the Father. That's what we're called to. That's what this is all about. That's why this is for, for keeps. That's why this is serious business.
And there are people that are glad to blab their mouths in coffee shops. And there are people that are glad to blab their mouths in PTA meetings. And there are people that are glad to share their opinions on how the world should be governed in a way to control people. They're happy to say it. They're happy to spew their poison. And yet you and I carry around the words of Christ inside of our mouth and we're afraid to speak them out. No more. No more. It is not time for us to be quiet. We're supposed to be wise as serpents and harmless as doves. We're supposed to speak words in season. Amen? Amen. Would you stand and... Why don't you just ask Holy Spirit to search? Come on. Father, is there anything in me that's keeping me from being a gatekeeper? Am I lazy? Probably so. Am I Martha? Probably so. I'm worried about so many things that need to be done. And I forgot the one thing that matters. Hmm. Holy Spirit, we ask that you would stir up a fire inside of us. Would you ask him? Come on. Put your hands on your belly, your chest, your heart, whatever. Jesus, we ask that you would come and burn inside of us. Be a consuming fire inside of our hearts. May we be in love with you, Jesus. May our hearts burn for you. May we burn in such a way that it ignites fires in other people's lives. God, I ask that you would change us into other people. Holy Spirit, come upon us and convert us into another man, into another woman. Help us to prophesy when we should prophesy. Help us to do whatever the occasion requires because God is with us. How many would take the challenge to step into your role with authority and begin to prophesy in the, as a gate of your city, of your community? How many would raise your hand and say yes to that? Yes to that. I say yes to that. Here's, here's what I'm having to learn, when to speak and when not to speak. Because there are times that we could just start up arguments. If I spoke up in the coffee shop, I probably would have started an argument. And the guy has a PhD in theology. He probably would have destroyed me with the argument because I'm just a simple, <laughs> simple preacher. I would have started an argument probably. I probably would have offended him, which is not my goal. So that was the time for me, me to be quiet. But you know what? There may be a day where I can, can meet him again and with a heart of unity and a heart of love actually ask right questions. 
And I can tell you truthfully that we've prayed for his church all week long. I passed his church soccer games yesterday, prayed for him, prayed for his people. He's got, he's got a great ministry going there, and I don't want to judge him by the conversations I heard in a coffee shop or by what was posted on social media. I don't want to judge another man. I, I'm just learning. I have to speak up, and I need to know when to speak up. So how many have felt that? Like, man, I want to speak, but I don't know when. Raise your hand. I, want to see, I can kind of see. All right, Jesus, help us. Like, I'll speak for me. I'm not saying this for you, but we're fools. <laughs> we don't know. Like there, let me, I'm stopping my prayer. There was this uh, old Seinfeld episode where George Costanza, who was a loser, and basically he said, every inclination I've had in life was wrong. So I've just decided to start doing the opposite of every inclination I've ever had. And all of these things started going well for him, right? A funny episode. I feel that way sometimes like, oh, I want to speak now. And then there's other times where I should speak and I don't. Jesus, help us to know when to speak and when to be quiet. Help us to always, when we do speak, speak in love and in unity and actually for the benefit of the other person, not because of our cause or soapbox. (sighs) Love is for the benefit of the other person. So Jesus, help us to know how to speak and when to speak for the benefit of the other person. Hmm. Amen. Everybody good? You ready? Where do you start with being a gatekeeper? Your house. Start with your house. Make your house a place where the presence of God rests. Host his presence in your home. When people walk into your house, they should feel the peace of God. I, I love it. Every time I've gone to, to the Falana's house, I walk in, I'm just like, it's peaceful. It's just peaceful here. The first time we walked in before there was any furniture, right when they, they literally got the keys and we went and we prayed, like we all were like, it's just so quiet and peaceful. And it's still that way now because it's your home. Our homes should feel like peace. It should be a place of, of the presence of God. So God, I ask that you make our homes a place of your presence, that we will start practicing it there. Because for years we've said this, if we can host you in our homes, we can host you in our church. And if we can host you in our church, we can host you in our community. And if we can host you in the community, we can host you on the planet. We believe this still in Jesus' name. If you need prayer for anything, we would love to meet you here at the front and pray. If you have your offerings, Rodney's got buckets right there. We'll take up an offering in person. Thank you so much for being here. We bless you. Uh, Thank you for watching us on Facebook. We love you. We bless your family. Um, And have a great week. Oh, Friday, Friday, this Friday, we have a very special event in, at Summit Church in Wiley. It's a night of worship. Kyle, what time does that start? Starts at 7.30. So um, if you're wanting to go, we can carpool out there. We can meet here at the church at 6 o'clock for anyone that wants to carpool out there. Uh, we will have people meet here at 6 o'clock, and we'll drive out. It's just a night of worship outside. It's at their church outside, correct, Kyle? It's an outdoor night of worship, so we're going to have fun. It's a, it's a really good place. These, this is a, a, one of my favorite people in the world, pastors this church, and so we're going to have a great time. So Friday night, meet here at the church at 6, or if you want to drive out there, it's at 730. We'll give you directions. All right, we bless you. We love you. Bye.